Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. Hello, TLCC Online Campus. My name is Alex Soto, and I'm the youth pastor here at TLCC West Orange Campus. I am so excited to be bringing you today's message. We are in the midst of a series called At The Movies, and if you're joining us here for the first time, let me tell you a little bit about uh, TLCC at the movies. What we've been doing with this series is that we're looking at Hollywood's biggest blockbusters and finding some biblical truths. I'm excited about this series. There's nothing that I love more than church and the movie theaters. And I am excited about joining these two together. It's always a good time when we have Jesus and movies. Now, I don't know about you, but I always enjoy a bag of popcorn when I go to the movies. But my love language, what I love most, what I enjoy the most about the movies is an order of nachos. Now, what about you? Comment on the chat, what is your favorite movie theater snack? The only thing I forbid you to say is Twizzlers. Now, we, are, uh, we, we, we launched this series a few weeks ago and we started off strong. Pastor Ben and Pastor Ryan started off with The Greatest Showman, Secretariat, Inside Out, And today, we get to explore biblical truths with my all-time favorite movie, Aladdin, the 1992 Disney classic. Now, as it turns out, because of copyright uh, issues, we aren't able to play clips from the movie, or this experience will be taken down. But we still want you to have a great experience at home or wherever uh, you are. So what we decided to do is we're going to show images of the clips and walk you through them. I promise I'll do my best. Now, this movie is an instant classic. Aladdin was the most successful film in 1992. It was the biggest grossing animated film until uh, Lion King two years later. And it was nominated for five Oscars. And in 2011, it made its way to Broadway. Now, Aladdin was recently made into a live action film, which always calls a good debate about Uh, what version of the movie uh, you enjoy best or which one is better. Online family, comment on the chat and say which one you enjoyed uh, most. Was it the live action or was it the classic animated film? Now, depending on the response that I see, I'll change the sermon. I'm just kidding. Now, to, to, to make my case why I enjoy the animated version of the movie is because of the late great Robin Williams as the genie. The genie was designed, written, and created for Robert Williams. Nearly all of genie's lines were improvised, kind of like the sermon. I'm just kidding. But Robin Williams went much deeper into the role than the rest of Aladdin, uh, uh, than the cast of Aladdin. And so much uh, of his time was spent in the recording studio. It ended up being 16 hours of usable material. Now imagine trying to cut down 16 hours of of gold into just one tiny 90-minute movie, a little brick of gold. Now, it's often how I feel about when I write messages. You have all this material you want to cover, but you just got to stay stay the course. And that's what uh, the directors did, and they did an amazing job. Now, if you haven't, wa- haven't watched Aladdin, I want to encourage you to watch it as soon as you can. Until then, spoiler alert, 
I'm going to try my best to catch you, to, to bring you up to speed. Now, Aladdin is about a poor street hustler who spends his time stealing food from marketplaces in the city of Agrabah. Now, I just found out the city of Agrabah is not a real place, so don't try to look it up. Um, but uh, his adventure begins when he meets and falls madly in love with Princess Jasmine. She, she, she's there, she's undercover in the, in the marketplace, and they two meet. Now, Princess Jasmine, freedom comes into question when she is pressured to be married soon. And Aladdin's luck suddenly changes when he retrieves a magical lamp from the Cave of Wonders. What we get is a fun-loving genie whose only wish is to have his freedom. Each of these characters feel trapped and want freedom from their circumstances. And together, we get to explore biblical truths in Christ. We will get to explore biblical truths of what it means to have freedom in Christ. And how we can use our freedoms to free others. Now, does freedom in Christ mean doing whatever we want, whenever we want? Aren't there rules to follow? What does an authentic Christian life look like? We will look at scriptures to find the answers and look at the movie to help us explore the truth of free people use their freedoms to free others. Now, I have a question. If you were to go into the Cave of Wonders and find this magical lamp, uh, what would you do with it? Which rules would you make or break right away? Having this power sounds fun, and you could, uh, or I could, uh, wish uh, breakfast for dinner every day. Start writing in the chat to see uh, what, uh, what, what would you wish. Um, would you wish that receiving ultimate and unlimited uh, vacation time? Making sure that the house is clean 24-7, uh, that the kids' bedtime stays at 7 p.m., and that they wake up at 7 a.m., 12-hour sleeps uninterrupted. Or how about this, my favorite? No traffic light cameras that flash your license plate, especially when you know you went on yellow. Now, every day, countless rules guide our lives. And there are obvious ones like school rules, like no running in the hallway, uh, house rules, like make sure you take out the garbage, government uh, laws, like pay your taxes. Um, but these uh, but, but, our, but our lives are also dictated by rules that we don't always think about, like the laws of nature, like gravity, cause and effect, the passing of time, social norms, like don't be a jerk, don't point and stare, hold the door for someone who is behind you, and moral guidelines, like do what is right, uh, don't lie, cheat, betray, mock, or be cruel to others. In real life, and in the movies, there are consequences to breaking rules. And a breaking a law might lead to punishment, and trying to break a law of nature, like gravity, will probably lead uh, to injury. And breaking a rule that negatively impacts others will often result in conflict. Now, in this scene I'm about to walk you through, Princess Jasmine and her father, who is the Sultan, are not agreeing with the law of the land. Now, the law of the land is that Jasmine must be married to her prince on her next birthday. But Jasmine ultimately feels in prison by them. 
where she would rather lose her identity as a princess than to, than to, fall, than to marry someone just to fulfill a law. Now, the scene starts with a prince from another land courting Princess Jasmine, and he leaves angrily and exclaims, I have never been insult- so insulted in my life. Good luck marrying her off as his pants are ripped and torn by Princess Jasmine's tiger. Now, Princess Jasmine's father, the sultan, is furious by this because she f- he feels like she's not taking this law seriously. And she only has three days to accomplish or fulfill this law. Her birthday's coming up soon. And you must be married to a prince by your next birthday. Now, Jasmine, like I mentioned before, would rather lose her identity than to marry someone randomly just for the sake of fulfilling an old law. The law is enslaving Jasmine. Now, even the genie has rules for the three wishes that he grants Aladdin. But no matter how difficult or easy a law is, I feel like we aren't really good, or maybe just me, I'm not really good at following instructions. If you follow by, uh, if, and if you want an example, uh, I can recall countless uh, parking tickets that I have and traffic tickets. Um, but in this scene, Aladdin is manipulating his way into getting a free wish. But after this scene, but, um, but, but after his scheme, Aladdin finds out that something interesting He finds out something interesting about the genie. He discovers that genie is a slave. Aladdin says, you're a prisoner? And genie says, it's all in part and parcel with the whole genie gig. Phenomenal cosmic power, itty bitty living space. And he says, just to be my own master, not to go poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? He wants to be his own master. And Aladdin takes a moment and has compassion over the genie and promises that on his third wish, on his last wish, he will fulfill that promise and it will be an act of love. Imagine having three wishes at your disposal and you're going to use the third wish to set someone free. That's a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, act of love. Now, Aladdin uses his first wish to become a prince. This is the only way that Aladdin can even have a chance to go on a date with Princess Jasmine. The law says you must be married to a prince, and he is fulfilling that law with his first wish. He goes to the genie and says, genie, can you make me a wish? Uh, No, he says, genie, can you make me a prince? And genie grants him that wish of being a prince. Now, What Aladdin doesn't know is that Aladdin is selling his soul almost. Like he is losing, he's about to lose his identity. He's about to become a slave to the law. Now, we are used to role, we are used to rules and and laws, and they're not new to us. Uh, They're they're not new. This This isn't a new concept. Um, and even at Jesus' time, when Jesus was still on earth, he introduced uh, to his followers a new rule that would take place and complete hundreds of old rules. Now, this new rule changed everything. Jesus shared this new rule when, uh, when he was being interrogated by the religious leaders who really, 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 really loved rules. 
These leaders were passionate about following uh, every detail of the Jewish law, thinking that it would make them right, holy, and loved by God. So when when these leaders asked Jesus, what is the most important law of God? They were expecting him to name one of the laws that they knew, but Jesus gave them a brand new law instead. And he says this, and we can find this, uh, we can find this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 through 40. And it says this, one of them, an expert of the law, tested him and questioned, so teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, he said, this is the first one. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second one is similar. It's like it. It's love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and prophets hang on these two commandments. Here's what Jesus had to say about God's rules that there are two that matter the most. Love God and love others as you love yourself. That's it. These are the two commandments that are most important. And when Jesus said all the laws hang on these two commandments, he was truly saying um, that if you are loving God and loving others, that you are already following God's laws. And when we love God and others, there are three things that we do well. Uh, we're doing what God uh, says, and we're, when we love, we do something about God's word rather than just hearing it. And, and another thing is that we see ourselves more clearly. It's like a mirror. When we, when we have these commandments to love God and love others, we, are allow, we allow ourselves to see things more clearly. Even if we don't follow every rule exactly, every other rule exactly, if, we are love, if we're not loving people well, and if we're not loving God well, then we're not following any laws. Now, we find freedom in this. The religious leaders at the times believed uh, that if you followed hundreds and thousands of rules, and, uh, that, that God will accept you, that God will love you, that God will choose you, that you will be a part of his family. And Jesus came to, uh, to, he came to, to set us free from that. Under Jesus' new law, the law of love, and that is a phrase that you'll be hearing throughout uh, this message, the law of love, two things changed. We learned that we don't have to do anything in order to earn God's love, and that we are already loved, and that we, uh, that when we learn, and we learn that we don't have to follow all these different laws, all these different rules, that we don't have to constantly check ourselves to be accepted into God's family, to be loved by him, to be freed by him. Now, when I think, when I try to follow anything else than the law of love, I know that my identity starts to change. And then I try to fit the mold of what I think God wants me to be. Do you feel that way sometimes? Do you feel that once you start slipping away from the law of love, loving God and loving others, you tend to change your identity, tend to change the way that you think uh, God, uh, the way that God loves you? I want to remind you that God has set you free because of his son and what he did on the cross. And, and, 
And that if you begin to, and if you have a struggle in your identity and who you really are, you will have a hard time realizing that you're free. Now, you have been set free. You have been set free, and your job is to set others free because of that. Now, here is a clip of Aladdin losing his identity as he feels the need to fulfill the law of being a prince so that he could impress and marry Princess Jasmine. But what ends up happening is that he becomes a slave to his lies. Because he's not secure in his identity and who God made him to be, um, he can't free anyone and he himself feels entrapped. So let's go into the scene. Aladdin is frustrated with the fact that he can't pull off this prince persona. And he asks his genie for advice. He says, genie, I need your help. And the genie, with a Jack Nicholson accent, he says, if you want to court the lady, you've got to be a straight shooter. Do you got it? Genie, because he's never seen a Jack Nicholson movie before, is confused. And he says, what? And Genie says, tell her the truth. And Aladdin says, no, no way. If, if Princess Jasmine found out who I truly am, she'll just laugh at me. So Aladdin chooses to continue to follow the law and moves further and further away from love. Now, church family, I have, a, I have a confession to make. I have something to get off of my chest. I'm not perfect. <sighs> Feels good to get that off of my chest. But I know that when I follow the law of self or try to move away from the law of love, or from the law of the world, or the law of what other people think of me, or anything else that is separated from loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and loving others like I would love myself, I tend to become selfish and jealous, which causes conflict. I can be selfish at times. I want to get my way. I want to be right. I want what somebody else has. I want to be the best. I don't want to make any mistakes. I desire what other people have, and I become selfish and jealous at times because I'm not looking at them in the lens of love. I'm looking at the, them in the lens of like what I think I need to be. And, and another thing I try to do is I try to scheme what I want uh, to get what I want. I come, I've come up with a good scheme or two to get what I want. Um, I've, I've, you know, especially when it came to uh, having a job at sales, manipulating, making demands, pressuring people to get what I want. It's, it's a difficult thing to balance to look at the other people with the, with the lens of love. Now, I know when I, when I stop looking at the law of love, my motives are wrong. And I even start praying for things that God never asked me to pray for. I start looking at things um, on how can I better myself. I start creating a universe that is me-centered, me-focused. And this is not what Jesus meant when he said to love God and to love others as ourselves. We cannot follow the law of love and be me-centered at the same time. And this is the struggle that Aladdin is having. Now, this might sound strange for you to hear at church, 
But you're free to do whatever you like. You're free to be selfish, yes. You're free to speak badly about others, yes. You're free to be judgmental, yes. You're free to be bitter. You're free to be impatient, cruel, unkind, yes. But nothing, because nothing that you will do will change God's love for you. But this is the thing. Are we following the law of love when we do these things? Are we following the love of law when we do these things? Or we are just entrapping ourselves and enslaving ourselves? We might think that freedom means to do whatever you want, whenever you want. But can you imagine the consequences if we lived a life entirely for yourself? Do you think that you would be happy? Do I think that I would be fulfilled? Do you think that you would uh, have meaningful relationships with others if, if we constantly just think uh, uh, for ourselves? Yeah, it's really difficult. Let's check this scene out when Aladdin finally gets what he wants and how he treats others around him. In this scene, Aladdin has quiet self to, uh, he finally has some quiet self to himself. And uh, he says to himself, they want me to be sultan? No, they don't want me to be sultan. They don't want Aladdin to be sultan. They want Prince Ali to be sultan. This fake facade that he created. Genie flies out of the lamp and he says, you did it, Aladdin. You did it. You finally won the heart of the princess. You're going to be prince. You're going to be sultan. And, Aladdin, and Genie is now expecting for Aladdin to set him free on his third wish. But Aladdin can't do it. He can't pull the trigger. He says, Aladdin, I need you. Uh, Genie, I need you. I need you to pull this off. I need, you to keep, I, need you to, I need your help to keep up this facade. I can't do it alone. And Aladdin says, I can't wish you free. Genie says, you lied to everyone else. I was beginning to feel a little bit left out. Aladdin chooses not to set him free. But how can he? He is not free himself. He's not being his true, authentic self. So what is the alternative to a me-centered thinking? How do I avoid unnecessary conflict with others? And how do, how do I also avoid, how, how do I even resolve conflict that when they happen? Because we live life, they're going to happen. And how do we do all of this according to Jesus' love of law, uh, law, uh, law of love? How do we do all of this with the law of love? Maybe the best thing uh, we can do is to look at the one who gave us the law of love. Because it's not just Jesus' word that teaches us how to love, it's his actions as well. I'm going to read the first paragraph uh, or first passage, and then I'm going to read a second uh, passage. The first passage is found in John 15, uh, verses 2. And this is going to talk about uh, his words, like what Jesus says to do. And he says this. He says, my commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Jesus says, this is how we love each other. That we will lay our lives down for each other. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just talk a big game. He lived a big game. And he says this. 
one of Jesus' disciples says this. He says, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus was a great example of how to live a sacrificial life. Jesus was God, which meant he really did have the freedom to do whatever he wanted. This whole universe is his, along with everything and everyone in it. He has the power to do whatever he wants. He has the power to do whatever he wants. But Jesus chose to give up his life. He chose, up, he chose to give up power. And he chose to give up his freedoms in two ways. He did this by... Um, he did this by living, uh, by, by taking on the uniform of a human form, by, by, by becoming flesh, by becoming a human being, by feeling, by, by having emotions, physical limitations. Jesus gave up his freedom by, by being bound by, by this flesh. And what he also did is he... Um, he humbled himself and he submitted his life of torture and of death. And why did he do it? Why did he do this? It's because he loves us and he wants us to be free. Through his life and through his death and resurrection, Jesus gave us freedom. And, we, and uh, he gave us freedom that we would never be able to have on our own. Freedom from sin and condemnation forever. Freedom to live a full and abundant life right now. Jesus freely gives up, uh, Jesus freely gives up his freedom in order to love you and me. And he told us and he has commanded us to do the same for others. And the ironic thing about freedom is that free people give up their freedoms for others. And that's not, uh, not because they have to, but because they choose to in love. Yesterday and today, TLCC members and regular attenders uh, transformed by the gospel use their freedoms and free time on a weekend to serve and love their neighbor uh, during the weekend of service. It's a beautiful display of the church being sent out and serve others because they have felt the love of God and they want to, to, for others to feel the love of God as well. Now, what makes the movie Aladdin so special is that Aladdin comes to repentance, but there's still consequences to not freeing uh, the genie when he had the chance. Our friend Aladdin decided not to free the genie at the moment that, uh, that, that he had the chance to, and the lamp falls into the hands of Jafar. And Jafar exposes Prince Ali to who he really is, Aladdin. Jafar uses his wish to become sultan, for power, for gain, for success. And then quickly right after, because he's so drunk with power, he's so, he has a lust for power, he, he uses uh, his next wish to be the most powerful sorcerer in the world. And he captures Princess, Jaz uh, Princess Jasmine and the sultan, and Aladdin is, is banished to another place. And in that place, Aladdin gathers his thoughts and comes to a place of repentance. I should have saved them when I had the chance. I should have done something earlier. I shouldn't have been so me-focused. 
I should have used my freedom to free others. And now Aladdin goes back to the palace. And he runs and charges Jafar. And he uses his street smart, his wittiness, his cleverness. He uses the talents and gifts that God has given him to, 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 to defeat Jafar. And he does this by just being so clever, so smart. He notices that Jafar is so power hungry. And he says, you know what? The genie gave you your power. The genie gave you your power and he can take it away. And Jafar, not thinking clearly, he just wants to be, uh, he just wants all the, he just wants to have it all. He says, you're right. The genie did give me my power. Genie is the most powerful being on earth right now. Genie, I make my third wish to be an all-powerful genie. And what Jafar doesn't realize is that he pays the price of, of having all this power. And remember, the chains come on just like genie and Jafar has ultimate cosmic power, but he has this itty-bitty living space. And Aladdin saves Jasmine and the Sultan. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment of victory. Now, Aladdin and Jasmine have a moment to themselves where they realize that they can use his last wish to become a prince again or stay faithful to his promise. Stay faithful and true to what he promised Genie to free him. And Genie is ready to, 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 to make Aladdin a prince again, but suddenly Aladdin stops and he says, Genie, I wish you free. And the shackles come off of Genie. And it's, I just encourage you to watch this when you, go, uh, when you have a chance. It's a beautiful scene of sacrifice where the Genie is free and he finally gets to... Uh, be himself. And he wants to travel the world. He wants to do so many different things. There are so many movies where one character makes a huge sacrifice for another. And there's something about this scene that moves me. Uh, the story of sacrifice reminds me of the sacrifice that Jesus made in order to save me. And even though it's not easy for, for me to, to be, uh, even though it is easy, actually, it's easy for me to be selfish and self-centered, uh, this movie shows me that deep down, deep down, we are all willing, we all want to set others' peoples free, and that we all want to use our freedoms to free others. We all want to really make sacrifices and love. True freedom is found when you love God and others first. You're free to be in charge of your own life and live it without Jesus. That's totally uh, your decision. But you'll find greater freedom when you let him lead you. You're free to make yourself the center of your own universe at the expense of, of, of your relationship with others. But you'll find greater freedom when you give it up, when you give up some of your freedom in order to free others, in order to love others well. When you give up some of your freedom in order to love God and others well, you'll discover a more fulfilling life. A life uh, that, that is full of, of joy, uh, of kindness, of patience, of forgiveness, of compassion, and you'll go closer to our creator. You see, God has set you free, and there is no law 
that you have to fulfill in order to receive the freedom of Jesus. If you want freedom, it is freely given to you. God gave it to other people in the Bible that we're about to explore quickly, just so that you can just hold on to these stories as, as, as you explore your freedom in Christ. He gave freedom to Abraham, who was a stranger in the land, and blessed him, and he was a blessing to others. He blessed and gave freedom to, to Ruth, who was an outsider, and she became a part of a royal lineage. Also, uh, Zechariah, who, ch- who God was able to change his motives from being a thief to a generous disciple. He also changed Peter's personality from a confrontational, angry person to a love, patient pastor. He changed Mary's reputation. He gave Mary freedom from her past life, from a life of sin and death. He changed the heart of Paul from terrorist to evangelist. And he is changing you. And God is using this moment to change your life from death to life. Now, I want you to think of someone currently that you've been praying for, someone that you've been praying for their freedom. Funny enough, the person that you might be praying for is a person that you may have the most conflict with. Do you have a name? Do you have that name? Do you have that person in mind? Great. I want you to take, this, take a time to write that person's name down, maybe in your notes or in your journal, as a reminder that there's something about your relationship with that person that is maybe even holding you back from freedom. Maybe there's a hurt or an offense that needs to be confessed or forgiven. It could be your attitude. It could be a me-centered thinking. It could even be, uh, you know, uh, it could even be you're not sure that maybe you don't know that they're the problem or, or the actions or that you're adding to or taking away from. But there's some conflict there that needs to be resolved. On the rest of the note, I want you to write some ideas on how you're able to sacrificially love that person better. I'll give you a few ideas to start. You know how to make, you know how to make sacrifices with others. And you know uh, when there's conflict, uh, you've done it before, you've seen it. So I want you to take a moment first. That when you in, when you were in conflict and you love somebody sacrificially, I know that you were some, the first to apologize. You didn't respond in anger, even when you had a really good comeback. You chose to listen instead of speak. Now, think about a time where someone else made you feel loved or sacrificed for you. Maybe they did something difficult or uncomfortable to show you that they loved you said something or gave, gave you something meaningful. Now, let's be honest. When it comes to that person that you've been in conflict with or maybe are praying for their freedom, how have you put them first? How have you put them last? Have you ignored them, mocked them, talked badly about them, lied about them, been stubborn or difficult, Dramatic, rude, or defiant. Like I said before, you're free to act this way, but it's harming your relationships with this person and it's keeping you from following Jesus and the law of love. So what can you do differently? How 
can you give up some of your freedom, like the freedom to say or do whatever you want, in order to love them like Jesus loved you? How can you sacrifice for them? Keep in mind that putting others first doesn't mean that you have to stop taking care of yourself. You'd be pretty unhealthy if you did that. Jesus isn't calling us to to sacrifice everything, even our own health, for others. But he is asking us to sacrifice a me-centered thinking and start living a life that's filled with more love. Jesus gave up his freedom in order to love you, in order to love me. And there's something that we can uh, do to sacrificially love someone else, especially if that person is worth fighting for. Free people give up their freedoms for others, not because they have to, but because they choose to in love.